the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Andrea Gazetta. Yay! And it's my week. Um, I do have to read through these sources and I kind of still want to bury the lead because there's a great surprise in this episode. Mm, mm, mm. So if you're listening to this and you have a degree in social psychology, don't spoil it for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah, don't be a fucking nerd about it, dude. Don't be a fucking narc. <laughs> I went to school for narking. <laughs> but also social psychology. Yeah. Um, so is social psychology when you narc on yourself? So well, <laughs> wait on your social own brain. Psych- social psychology is when society narks on you. No. Um <laughs> it's a lot of studies about the psychology of groups of people as opposed to a singular person oh like group think and like how people behave in groups yeah exactly uh so kicking things off with our first source we have and if you are at all interested in group think this book is amazing please read it it's probably my favorite thing that i have had to read on my phone via kindle uh it's called When Prophecy Fails by Leon <laughs> Festinger. <laughs> wow. And if you know about social psychology, I've probably already tipped my hand about what we're going to be talking about today, so don't spoil it for everybody else. Uh, coming up next, we have The Encyclopedia of Occultism by Lewis Spence on automatic writing. Uh, we've got Encyclopedia.com's article on um, the association of Sananda and Sanat Kumara. We've got StarEssence.org. That'll come into play later. Mm. Uh, we've got the New York Times. Uh, the article is, again, a review of when prophecy fails, but applied to financial theory. Okay. We're not going to go into it at, like too much, but we did pull some historical notes from that. Um, Wired.com's article, Don't Despair, Big Ideas Can Still Change the World. The Atlantic's article, The Christmas the Aliens Didn't Come. Oh. What? Uh, Yes. Uh, We've got The Contactees, A Survey by Gordon J. Melton. Um, It's part of an article series called The Gods Have Landed New Religions from Other Worlds, which is also very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we've actually got another podcast episode, which is it's unusual that we find other podcasts on the stuff that we want. That's not just like a cult podcast. But uh, this is a podcast called Futility Closet, episode 235, in which they explore things about society and the world that are and eh, nothing you could do about it, basically. Totally Interesting. futile. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that episode is called Leon Festinger and the Alien Apocalypse. And then we have a TED Talk uh, called Cognitive Dissonance and Michael. Um, that's actually one of the independently organized TED Talks from UC Irvine, where I spent my first two years of college. But it's a um, public health professor who is a um, 
essentially one of the foremost AIDS researchers as far as public health goes, not necessarily like cure, but societally. Mm -hmm. Um, And he talks about some of the things that we're going to explore in this cult and how they have played out in society's reaction to AIDS, which is very interesting. We're not going to talk about it a ton, but if you have a chance to watch it, highly recommend it. Uh, And then we've got Cognitive Dissonance Theory, a crash course by Andy Luttrell for Social Psych Online. You guys ready? I am. Yeah. Before we get into it, I mm-hmm. do have a question, and sure. it is a two-part question. Right. First of all, from your source, the Christmas the aliens didn't come. What's the spelling on come there? Uh, it's C O M E. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Cool. Mm-hmm. I was just making sure the aliens are getting theirs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> secondly, every Christmas is the Christmas aliens didn't come. Unless you believe Santa's an alien. Oh shit. Hmm. Is a reindeer an unidentified flying object, technically? Yeah. Interesting. It's a bogey. I mean, think about it. He's a fat man that never dies or ages. He's fueled by cookies. Technically, at this point in in history, you're also describing me. Technically. A fat man (laughs) who hasn't died yet, who (laughs) is fueled by cookies. Yes. That has changed sizes drastically over the years. But to go in and out of chimneys, there's no chimneys in California anymore, really. I mean, not on new houses. (laughs) <laughs> what I'm saying is Santa isn't real children, but aliens are. Well, my my parents never told us Santa was, like, we didn't have Santa growing up. Damn. What? Yeah. Because it was Jesus? Um, Because my mom was like, no, that's fake. <laughs> Interesting. And she was like, we buy you presents because we love you, just like Jesus loved you. <laughs> when I was... When I was like eight or nine, I asked my mom if Santa was real, and she looked at me and said... Uh, I ain't no snitch, bitch. And then she fucking, <laughs> she fucking shanked me in the shower. It was crazy. And then she kick flipped away. I, I don't. know, dude. It was fucking wild. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. Dorothy Martin was born in 1900, and not much else is known about her until 1950. She was much like Terry and Uriel before her in that she was a bored Chicago housewife in the 50s. Recipe for disaster, baby. On this show, if you're a bored housewife in the 50s, shit's about to go down. Or you're just about to have a ton of Tupperware. It's one or the other, really. I've learned that white women with too much time on their hands is the worst thing you can have. Dangerous, it seems, on this show, for sure. Yeah, or a good business model. Um, Herbalife. uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. Goop. Goop. Tupperware pamper check. I just yeah. realized the other day that I kept wondering. I okay, this isn't going to make any sense, so I'm probably going to have to cut it out. But I did realize the other day that I was confusing goop with gorp. Like I thought, you know, gorp. You mean trail mix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trail mix. What? I thought I thought gorp was also called goop, and so I thought that her business was named after gorp, and I thought that she was like taking gorp, and I didn't understand fully what goop was until a few days ago wait you thought gwyneth paltrow Uh had made a multi-million dollar trail mix empire that also sells candles that smell like vaginas that's what that's why i was really blown away (laughs) you're like but where does it have m&ms like this is what am i doing i was really thrown away by because i was just like why is she like because I knew Why'd that it was like a... Why'd you choose to invest in trail mix? 
who was buying this fancy trail mix? Well, because like ever, I knew it was a health company, and I didn't know much else. <laughs> and I was like, so don't laugh at me. <laughs> I thought, I thought, I, I, I forgot that there was an R in Gorp. Uh, but but okay, but that's where. You were like, oh, it's clearly not that. Not the whole time when you were like, the woman's a millionaire. Clearly, she's investing in just peanuts and raisins. I don't know what she was doing. I also want to be clear. I didn't think it was called Gorp. I didn't think Gwyneth Paltrow's new Netflix thing was like the Gorp Files or whatever. I thought, This one has Chex Mix pieces. I thought that Gorp was pronounced goop. Okay. I forgot there was an R in Gorp. Uh, which is the raisins because I don't put raisins I don't fuck with raisins yeah I don't fuck with raisins I'm just imagining vagina shaped bags holding train mix (laughs) (laughs) anyway so it's disturbing alright so bored Chicago housewife and just like Bonnie Nettles Terry Uriel like everyone we cover on the show she had started dabbling in theosophy mm. and occultism. Mm. But what she really loved, something near and dear to our Los Angeles hearts. Drum roll, please. Scientology. Oh, <laughs> oh no. She was, and mind you, this is early Scientology. Yeah. Scientology is in its infancy at this point. L. Ron Hubbard had only stolen Jack Parsons' girlfriend slash wife slash sex magic partner uh, literally a little over a decade before and is now kind of spreading Scientology around. So she's an early adopter into Scientology. And in this period of Scientology, he had started licensing Scientology out to like a right. bunch of different places to who create kind of, franchises yeah to create kind of franchises of it and then when he revokes those licenses those franchises all become different things with different names that's how we get the avatar course and a bunch of other stuff but interesting she basically learned about scientology from a local branch and was super into it but didn't really necessarily practice you know consistently because she was too into other shit that wasn't just Scientology. Yeah. Because she was like, mm-hmm. I like Scientology, but there's not enough weird magic. <laughs> <laughs> there's too much fake science. <laughs> well, speaking of, uh, she super continued to dabble in theosophy um, and she discovered, or rather she believed that she discovered that she had a particular talent for automatic writing. Uh, is- at first, I thought you were going to say automatic rifles. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, Hell no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shit's about to pop off. Literally. She's just like, Santa's what's up, gonna get guys? shot out of the sky. She's just like, what's up, guys? Don't fuck with Dorothy. <laughs> she looks like she's filming a rap video. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dorothy, I was your friend. Um, so no, automatic writing. Uh, have either of you experienced the wonder that is automatic writing? No. Uh, it sounds like something a typewriter would do. Well, I mean, yeah, or a computer technically, but sure. essentially it's when you put a pen in your hand uh-huh. on a piece of paper okay. and you let the spirits guide it. Hmm. So like a Ouija board, but cheaper. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's the poor man's Ouija board. <laughs> Here, I'm going to try this out. Okay. Okay. All right. So I got the... Oh, wait. I just drew a dick. Okay. Hold on. Let me... I'm drawing more dicks. <laughs> if you're not familiar with automatic writing, uh, there are so many youtube videos of people doing it like hundreds 
and not a single one of them draws a dick. <laughs> because that's all I was thinking. It was like, this would be the funniest fucking sketch ever if somebody set it yeah. up completely serious and was just like, all right, the spirits are flowing through me. I'm getting centered and then just draws a dick. Uh, God damn it. I keep drawing dicks. <laughs> Why are the balls twice the size of the dick, though? I don't understand. <laughs> that was the case with your snow dick. <laughs> I just go off of, I draw what I know. I draw from life. <laughs> um, I got a lot of pee. <laughs> oh God. Yikes. Uh, so automatic writing is frequently used by ghost hunters. Whoa. Okay. It's like the fakest as hell thing. Like, like current ghost hunters? It was more used by previous ghost hunters before, like modern ghost hunters have fake machines that beep at stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this seems more like the old timey, like medium in the in the store. Yeah, th- this is like um, like uh, Amityville horror level ghost hunting okay. is where we see a lot of automatic writing. I just imagine that people doing automatic writing are like uh, Jim Carrey in Liar Liar. When he's like trying to fight himself, <laughs> it's just a lot of acting like that. It's very intense. Like, oh, my hand, I can't control it. Like, that's just all of it. <laughs> um, so automatic writing, essentially the way that Dorothy described it, she said that one of her arms would get hot from like her fingers all the way up to her shoulder. Okay. <laughs> You're about to have a stroke. Thank yeah, you. Right? I was like, I think this might be an issue with your circulation. So um, first one of my arms would get red hot and then the is smell that of toast. toast? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like diabetes. Like oh, she was having like diabetic yeah, nerve pain. Okay. Something that would like Assuming it's real. Assuming it's real. Um, She then would, she said she instinctively grabbed a pen, Mm. which is not my first, like if my arm felt weird, my first immediate reaction is to be like, this is how I go. (laughs) 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 I'm going to die. Hospital, ibuprofen, car keys, anything. anything. But no, pen, sure. Okay. Pen, sure. And then she would sit and just let the spirits talk to her and she said it was a different handwriting than her own handwriting, but it somehow felt familiar. Mm. And I was like, yeah, you were there the whole time. <laughs> you mean the writing out of your hand felt familiar? Yes. Interesting. I know. She's just she's just sitting down to write and it's full on cursive. And she's like, I don't know what this is, but I feel like it'll be important in middle school. <laughs> And remember, too, she's 50 at this point. Uh-huh. What? Yes, yeah. she's 50. Okay. So part of me is just like, yeah, this could definitely be just a circulation issue. That's so, like, in my brain, for some reason, you're like, housewife. And I'm like, I don't know, like, my age, 30, I 40s, thought that as well. Right? And, and then, then went back and looked at the dates, and she was about 50. Yeah. That's crazy. So we're, start, we're picking up the story around 1950. Yeah. She was born in 1900. The story starts around 1950. Got it. Got it. Got it. So she wasn't actively converting people based on the things she was writing yet. But what she did start doing was reaching out through New Age pamphlet and mailing lists and at New Age meetups where she managed to find a local doctor. Well, and I say local. He lived about 200 miles away from her. Oh, so the local part was in quotation marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought, thought the doctor to... part yeah. was going to be in quotation yeah, you marks. You would think so. Um, but he believed in her and her automatic writing skills. Oh, sure, please sure, don't sure. be a doctor. Please don't well, be a real doctor. He is a real doctor. That's oh. why he was 200 miles away. It's because she had to find <laughs> one that believed her. Right. 
Uh, so he was in Lansing, Michigan. She was in Chicago, Illinois. Chicago? Chicago. Which oh, my goodness. I admit right at the second did not immediately do due, due, due diligence to find out if that was exactly 200 miles. But all the stories were like, yeah, he lived 200 miles away. That's about right. OK. Great. Yeah. Cool. It's like probably six hour drive. Yeah. That's, like OK. That. So maybe a little bit more than 200. But yeah. Cool. Um, so this doctor, his name was now. This is one of those cases where something I know I'm not going to pronounce it right. His last name is laugh head mm-hmm. it's it's like spelled laugh head i think it's lawfed lawfed maybe lawfed i'm just gonna call him charles because that's his first name dr, dr. charles, charles. laugh head uh and he was in charge of basically organizing the people that believed in her he was so charles in charge he's charles in charge <laughs> charles uh, in charge with the funny dick so in 1953 he began holding regular meetings at a non-denominational church in Lansing, Michigan, in support of Dorothy's messages. Now, I do want to stress, these were not church services during normal church times. This was him being like, y'all got a spare room where we could meet and talk about our alien shit? And they were just like, yeah, yes. And then Charles is also married. So he and his wife kind of shepherd this group together. And Dorothy would basically write out whatever came to her mm-hmm. mimeograph it because copy machines weren't really around yet what is a mimeograph? you are way too young to remember i don't mimeographs. know what it is either okay you have probably seen one at some point because i know i've seen a mimeograph before it sounds like you're saying mimogram where nope. you tell a message to a mime and then they <laughs> hop on a plane fly to wherever you're going <laughs> and then ask and that then message out, out. no in, words in the most expensive game of charades ever <laughs> yes uh, mimeographs preceded the the copier as mm. we know it today and it's essentially like I don't for, for sure know how they work at all but I do remember having mimeographs and instead of being like black and white like a copy it was like purple it was like weird. purple and white yeah they're real kind of weird they're, they're kind of they were around we we still had a mimeograph at church at the same time that we had dot matrix printers. Have you ever seen a dot matrix printer? Yeah, that's the one with the uh like with the holes in the paper. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, this is like mimeographs are even earlier than that. Like when dot matrix printers were all the rage, mimeographs were old then. So this is like hell old. And the thing with mimeographs is they fade hmm. over time. So you would constantly have to be making new originals weird from what i remember again i am too young i know we have listeners that are going to be like god damn it i remember mimeographs my (laughs) mom included and uh will probably tell us all about them in the facebook group but so she would write write out whatever came to her mimeograph it and then send it to charles who would read them aloud to the group like a sermon he would then mimeograph it again and send it to roughly 200 other followers spread throughout the country, largely stemming from the New Age mailing lists and magazines. But even at this point, they're not actively recruiting. They mainly kept to themselves, except for Charles. So Charles wasn't recruiting people technically, but he was constantly presenting them with what he called the truth. (laughs) <laughs> mm, mm. okay and then okay. just like leaving it up to them to decide where he's just like in your face being like aliens are coming and if you don't realize it i don't know what to do with you and then people are either in or they're out 
Two part question. Sure. First part. How, what's the spelling on coming in that connotation? C O M I N G. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Could go either way still. Um, secondly, it sounds like Dorothy's not really aware of the fact that her stuff's getting this spread out, or does she like have a baseline knowledge of it and then he's going real buck wild with it? I think she has a baseline knowledge and he's taking it to another level. Okay. Um interesting. Yeah, but but even Dorothy didn't seem to want to actively recruit. Huh. She just felt like the messages need to get out there. <laughs> Okay. I get it. I get it. Damn. Yeah. She yeah. would have just ha- literally had a Twitter if it existed is what 100%, she's doing. 100%. Yeah. Um, so Charles basically talked too much about the aliens. Ruh-roh. So he lost his job as a professor as a professor at Michigan State because they were worried he was talking about religion too much. <laughs> And he wasn't a religious studies professor, oh. and it wasn't a Christian college, and it also definitely wasn't an alien college. <laughs> well, oh, now hold Charles. up a second. Wait, wait just a minute. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't an alien college? Yes. A historically alien college. <laughs> an H-A-C-U? Yeah. Like uh, Mars University, uh, Jupiter Community College, um, the University of Miami. <laughs> You know. Where's the one where the Monstars went to school? <laughs> you that know, like a, they're little, but then I mean, they play it was, basketball. It was Michael Jordan, so somewhere in Chicago, probably. Oh. Mm. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. So I thought when you said doctor, I thought you meant medical doctor. Differing schools of thought. So no one seems to have a handle on exactly what kind of doctor he was. Mm-hmm. At least not that I could find. I found like four or five different like... He was a doctor. He was a professor. He was a staff member. But the one thing that people seem to all agree upon is that he was a doctor of some sort. Yeah. And also worked at this school in a capacity that meant he was like interacting with students. Okay. So he was teaching classes. Yeah, because it sounds like when you said he had he was a doctor, I thought he was a doctor. Now I'm sounding like it has. Now it sounds like he has a doctorate and was having a hand in teaching, like you were saying, right. or, or interacting with students, um, which is worse, somehow worse. Right. Don't, I don't. Ah. I mean, it's, it's both bad, mm-hmm. but yes. I don't know. Because the thing is, is like shaping minds is so much worse than just like if I went to a doctor and they were like, <laughs> so back pain, huh? You've been abducted recently? I'd just be like, I, don't, I, I love you. That's a pretty rough cough you got there. By the way, did you know that Jesus Christ is an alien and speaking to this woman 200 miles from here? I'm read, sorry. Read I'm, this. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just came in here to get some codeine, but let's do this. Oh, <laughs> uh, Professor Charles, I, I have a couple questions. Uh, you give me a D? Yeah. You want to work that up to an A by telling me about the aliens? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but I do see this squiggly line that just looks like a crop circle. And he's just like, that's a B minus. <laughs> Henry, try harder. <laughs> so all of it stayed fairly contained. Okay. Okay. Until the summer of 1954. Oh, right, that pesky summer of 1954. That pesky summer of 1954. Dorothy's writings had started to take an apocalyptic turn. Oh, shit. She claimed that Jesus Christ, in the form of an alien, Mm -hmm. had told her that the world was going to be destroyed via a giant flood on December 21st, 1954. And if I may interject 
with Bible scripture knowledge right now. Mm -hmm. Genesis 9, 11 through 12. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. That means that there's never going to be a worldwide flood again, according to God. So if you're going to be like, Jesus says there's going to be another one, check your sources. Interesting, because I'd like to read you this other passage from Genesis, uh, because Jesus, he knows me and he knows I'm right. I've been talking to Jesus all my life. Oh, yes, he knows me and he knows I'm right. And he's been telling me everything's all right. I believe in the family with my ever loving wife beside me, but she don't know about my girlfriend or the man I met last night. Do you believe in God? Because that's what I'm selling. And even if you get to heaven, I'll see you right. What is that? That's just uh, the song Jesus He Knows Me by Genesis. <laughs> is Genesis is there a rapper named Genesis? Cuz all, all I'm thinking is that like Phil the Collins, Phil Collins yeah, yeah, yeah. band. No, you are right. What? It's a song by Genesis, the Phil Collins band. What? You have to play it. Genesis? This is the what ca- the fuck? This is the catchiest song about Jesus I've heard in a long time. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just saying, if you're talking about apocalypses and you're talking the book of Genesis, I feel it in the air tonight. <laughs> Come on. Oh, Lord. Apocalypse, wow. <laughs> you can only play so much of that song or else we're going to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my God. That's so good. Anyway, so upon receiving this mimeograph, Charles reacted the way anybody would, and he sent hundreds of mimeographs out to every single newspaper he could reach. Okay. Pretty much every state that touches the Great Lakes got one of these letters. And it wasn't evangelizing, per se. He was warning people about the flood. And no one took the bait except for one small newspaper in Minneapolis, which turned out to be the perfect place. In the late summer of 1954, a young psychologist named Leon Fetzinger was reading the newspaper when his eye fell on a strange headline on the back page. Oh, you mean, okay. You don't mean, you mean figuratively fell. (laughs) I thought you meant Leon's eye fucking fell out. He had a tragic fork accident, just like that Colonia Dignidad guy. Oh my God. Oh my God. God. Uh, Schaefer. Yes, Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. Yeah. Oh God, I was horrified for a second. I was like, yeah, I'd believe in the apocalypse. My fucking eye fell out and I found it and it was just like, you're all going to die. So on the back page of that newspaper, Mm -hmm. there was a headline that read, Prophecy from Planet Clarion, call to city. Flee that flood. It'll swamp us on December 21st. Outer space tells suburbanite. I will say, if you're going to believe in a flood, believe it in the land of a thousand lakes. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair. True, true, true. 10,000 lakes. 10,000 lakes. Sorry. Sorry, Prince. I apologize. (laughs) He was curious, so he continued to read the story. Lake City will be destroyed by a flood from the Great Lake, 
just before dawn on December 21st. And it was precisely what Fetzinger had been waiting for. What? Because he had been studying a specific type of social psychology that dealt with what happens when people have conflicting beliefs. And he had theories about what that meant about groups that had groupthink like a cult. So he wanted to know what happens when people experience a crisis in their convictions. What would happen when none of those flying saucers came to rescue them? What would happen when the flood didn't happen? And with a little bit of digging, Fetzinger discovered that the the woman in question, Dorothy, wasn't the only one convinced that the world was ending. He found the group at large. Around a dozen of her followers, all regular Americans with regular jobs, regular families, had mostly quit their jobs, sold their possessions, or left their spouses. What? Because they believed in Dorothy so much. Sorry, Sharon. Uh, I gotta go because a flood's coming. And she's just like, what is... Why does that mean we have to break up? He's just like, oh, it doesn't. I just fucking hate you. Uh, It's because the flood is coming in Jenny's panties, not (laughs) yours. So, Well, if that's the way you feel, John, if the flood comes, it's the first time I'll have been wet in years, you piece of shit. And then she just leaves. I've seen your dirty mimeographs. (laughs) I hope the aliens come so at least someone does in this house. I saw that sexy mimogram you sent, and it's just a French guy in the background just squeezing fake boobs. It's just a mime in an alien suit. (laughs) Uh, So Fetzinger did exactly what anyone would do Mm -hmm. in his position. He grabbed two of his research assistants, and they joined the cult undercover. He grabbed them in a non-sexual way. In a non-sexual way. Okay, okay, okay. He put his eye back in, he grabbed them by the butts, and then he got the fuck over to Minneapolis? Or is he going to Chicago? He went to Michigan, Michigan. Um, to Charles's house. Mm-hmm. In Lansing. In Lansing. And they straight up showed up and were like, we saw the article. Tell us about the space aliens. And they were just like, yeah, okay. And so they told them and read them the mimeographs and didn't try to convert them. They were just like, do with these facts as you will. <laughs> These are them's the facts. Them's the facts. This is like the mimeograph facts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is like a uh, a, 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 a like a, a worse version of what Heaven's Gate did, where Heaven's Gate eventually told you the truth and then made you convince them to take you. So this is like almost there. They're it's, like, yeah, it's almost that. They basically were just like, we want to join, and they were like, I mean, I guess. Mm. <laughs> like they they didn't stop them, but they also were just like, I mean, sure, show up or don't. We don't care. It's all about who you know is moved by the information. Yeah, especially if they really believe it. There's people are like, we're here to fucking believe in what you want, and he's just like, there's a fucking flood coming. I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. That was the case. They weren't converting anybody. They weren't actively going after everyone, anyone mm-hmm. until December 20th. Remember, that's literally hours the day before yeah. the flood. Yeah. What's and their art game looking like? None. No arc? Damn. That that's ain't going to work right. Well, what they believed was that a man in a spacesuit was going to show up at their door the night before the flood, take them all away before the flood happened. Okay. On the morning of December 20th, 1954, Dorothy Martin got a new message from her automatic writing. It said, at the hour of midnight, you shall be put into parked cars and taken to a place where ye shall be put aboard 
a spaceship or flying saucer. She calls it a porch. I don't know why. Weird. Okay. But it's a flying saucer. Uh, the group settled in to wait to ascend to the heavens. Fetzinger's notes regarding the night are as follows because he kept meticulous timed and dated notes about everything that happened. At 11.15 p.m., Mrs. Martin receives a message telling the group to put on their coats and prepare. Midnight. Nothing happens. 12.05 a.m. So five minutes after midnight. One of the believers notices that another clock in the room reads 11.55 p.m. The group agrees that it's not yet midnight. (laughs) 12.10. A message from the aliens. Flying saucers are delayed. <laughs> Space traffic. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, I have a flight to get to. I have a connecting spaceship then in the moon. You shouldn't have taken Flying Saucer Line. You should have taken Flying Saucer X. Um, <laughs> Twelve fifteen a.m. The telephone rings several times. Journalists calling to check if the world has ended yet. Four a.m. One of the believers says, I've burned every bridge. I've turned my back on the world. I can't afford to doubt. I have to believe. Oh, God. That's sad as fuck. Reportedly, he said it directly to Fetzinger, who kind of followed him out onto the porch and was like, how are you doing? And that's what the guy said. And he reported it. What's fucked up is he meant literally he was burning bridges because he was like, I'll be in a spaceship. No need for these no more. (laughs) (laughs) Why does he have so many bridges? (laughs) 4.45 a.m. Dorothy Martin gets another message. God has decided to spare the earth. Together, the small group of believers has spread so much, quote unquote, light on this night that the earth is saved. Okay. Okay. We did it. 4.50 a.m. One last message from Dorothy. The aliens want the good news to be released immediately to the newspapers. Armed with this new mission, the believers inform all of the local papers and radio stations before daybreak. So her excuse was that they just pulled the ending of The Grinch where God's heart grew four times that day. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And he was just like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to kill him. It's that, but here's the thing, because the saucer said they were on the way, so it's that Los Angeles thing of being like, yeah, 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 I'm almost there, I'm stuck in traffic, but they haven't even left the house yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very mm-hmm. LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They texted and it was like, hey, are there still floods going on, or like, can we reschedule? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, really busy tonight, can't spin in my bathtub. I'm in my bathtub right now. <laughs> so, Fetzinger wrote a book about this afterwards. And the opening comments of his book, I thought, were really interesting and speak to this phenomenon probably better than anything else I've ever read. And any report on this group is going to pull some or part of this quote, but that's because it's so damn good. (laughs) He says, a man with a conviction is a hard man to change. Tell him you disagree and he turns away. Show him facts or figures and he questions your sources. Appeal to logic and he fails to see your point. We've all experienced the futility of trying to change a strong conviction, especially if the convinced person has some investment in this belief. We're familiar with the variety of ingenious defenses with which people will protect their convictions, managing to keep them unscathed through the most devastating attacks. But man's resourcefulness goes beyond simply protecting a belief. Suppose an individual believes something with his whole heart, Suppose further that he is committed to this belief 
that he has taken irrevocable actions because of it, and finally suppose that he is presented with evidence, unequivocal and undeniable evidence, that his belief is wrong. What will happen? The individual will frequently emerge not only unshaken, but more convinced of the truth of his beliefs than ever before. Indeed, he may even show a new fervor about convincing and converting other people to his view. Damn. That's crazy because it describes exactly how I feel about Kanye's new album. Where I'm like, no, y'all are the ones that are wrong. It's so good. But then sometimes when I'm trying to get to sleep, this voice in my head is like, but you there's no bangers though. You can't even bop to it. The cult begins pushing the date of the arrival of the aliens. Oh no. They're Harold camping it. The 21st, then the 24th, but they never came. And about a week or so after that, the group largely disbanded, mostly. We'll that's get back what happens to- when you make people not come. They leave. They yeah, leave. That's what happens when you keep pushing it back and no one comes. <laughs> and we'll get back to them in just a bit. Mm-hmm. But for now, I do want to take a couple minutes to talk about what happened with Fetzinger's book. So Fetzinger went on to write a book about this experience. And in it, he puts forth his theory called cognitive dissonance. He's the first person to basically give name to what now we predominantly know as cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is basically your brain's attempt to reconcile two beliefs that are at odds. There are a lot of examples of this. So, for example, Armando, uh, you like vaping, Mm -hmm. but you also know that it makes you cough up slime and it's probably bad for you. Oh, yeah. But you have a few choices with what to do with that belief. You can accept it and make changes. You can deny that vaping is bad for you, or you can accept it and not care and not make any changes, which I think is the avenue that you're taking. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't scripted. And (laughs) that hurts so much more because of the (coughs) stuff of it. You're not just going to get popcorn lung. You're going to have like kettle corn lung. Yeah. Um. As long as you put ranch on that lung, I'm cool with it. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Think of this on a bigger scale. Mm -hmm. You believe the earth is flat, but there's evidence proving that the earth is round. Well, hold on. The character of Armando Torres (laughs) believes the earth is flat. We all know it's a bit, though, right? Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Mm -hmm. just saying in general, the people that believe the earth is flat. Yeah. They have this strongly held belief within them, but they're constantly confronted with Evidence, evidence that, that they are wrong and instead of being like oh shit i'm wrong mm-hmm. it's so much easier to somehow convince themselves that what they are being faced with is not accurate and is somehow either serving their inner narrative or is wrong than it is to admit that you have given up everything for a belief that is wrong yeah well, I mean, the thing about us, uh, sorry, the thing about flat earthers, uh, no, but we saw that when we covered the flat earthers where like those people eventually do kind of figure out that it's bad, but then like you've burned every bridge and you don't have a fancy spaceship to go over the water anymore. Who does well, that sound like? I'll read you this quote again. Mm-hmm. I've burned every bridge. I've turned my back on the world. I can't afford to doubt. I have to believe. Honestly, if you're asking me for a genuine opinion, it sounds like a Linkin Park song. 
I've <laughs> every bridge. No. I can't go back anymore. I mean, that's actually you're, you're that's probably right. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it also sounds a lot like marriage. Okay. Not everyone's, but like there are definitely people where they're like, where you if you ask them honestly, you're like, do you love this person? They're like, well, I've invested eight years. Well, oh, I, so you're you know saying, what I mean? You're saying that they stood on, they stayed on Earth for the children. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think in some ways that could be a little different because I am of the belief that love changes over time and that's not a bad thing. For yeah. sure. But I also think there are people that legitimately stay in relationships that are bad or harmful for them yes, because obviously. they've invested time. Right. And I think that the more time you invest in an idea or a, being in a place, like a career choice that you hate, a job, you know, that's yeah, a job. But that's a cost. person that you hate. Like, that kind of cost mm -hmm. but once you believe in a thing and you've put your your cost into that it's so much harder to go back on anything it's so much easier to just say well this is good for me fetzinger actually goes on to study cognitive dissonance for the bulk of the rest of his life hmm. and one of the other experiments that he did was he would have a person in and make them do a menial task that's not fun and then he would say to them hey, can you tell the next person that you had fun doing this on like on the way in? And then he would either pay them $20 or a dollar. And the people who were only paid a dollar would lie and be like, yeah, no, I actually did have fun. And then the people with $20 were like, nah, they told me to say that. Hmm. And it was this difference of what did I give up and what did I wager for what I was paid? So it's almost this feeling of like, I took a dollar to do this. I might as well convince people that it was right. As opposed to 20 bucks, it's like, well, yeah, it was 20 bucks. Wouldn't you lie to people? Interesting. Yeah, it was really interesting. It was He does a ton of different experiments like this, which are super interesting. But part of the reason that I find this so interesting and prescient now is Let's think of this in a context that probably maybe hits a little closer to home for people, especially right now. Let's say that someone is a Christian, which would mean that they believe that adultery is wrong. But then they voted for someone who said, direct quote, I moved on her and I failed. I'll admit it. I did try to fuck her. She was married. I moved on her like a bitch, but I couldn't get there. And she was married. Then all of a sudden I see her. Now she's got the big phony tits and everything. She totally changed her look while he himself was married at the time. Damn, that's crazy. Barack <laughs> said that, dude. <laughs> that's an Obama saying, original. But this is kind of cognitive dissonance is kind of carrying the day yeah. at this point. Totally. On, on both sides, but specifically on the side of people who are refusing to acknowledge evil in front of them, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think that politics is especially difficult because so often you feel like whatever choice you have isn't in your best interest anyway. And I think that can be really difficult for people. So people kind of want to believe because they have to believe that something is good or right or they'll just go crazy. And I think that's part of what happened with Trump is people were like, oh, well, he's Republican. He's on the side that I'm on. 
like we're all on the same side so like I'll vote for him and just overlook these things that I've heard and say that they're rumors or they're false news or whatever but that's exactly cognitive yeah. dissonance yeah it's the yeah. it's the the reasoning of the lesser of two evils I like this election season a lot because we got my fucking Warren out here my girl Elizabeth Warren who I believe is a awesome candidate and it's just like i didn't want either of them to be president so bad and but if you tell somebody you're like oh i don't want to vote for hillary clinton they're like well you're against change and i feel like a lot of people when people kept saying that it kept making me think like oh what if these people voting for trump are just terrified of change so much that they'll go with the shittier option just to avoid anything that might be drastically different I don't know. I feel like for me, I was like, Trump is a psychopath yeah, and how sure dare we even let that happen. But I think for a lot of people and there were a lot of lies going around about Hillary Clinton, which were very gendered and total bullshit. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying she's a great person. She has her flaws for sure. But I think that there was a, a lot of frustration with people's day to day lives. Yeah. And an understanding of things that they need and things that they thought someone would bring to them. And it's not so much that it's a problem within the election itself because people lie during, you know, election. They lie during campaigns. Mm -hmm. That totally happens. But the problem is now that clearly none of those things have happened. No one got the things that they wanted. In fact, things have actively hurt people that people are still denying it. Yeah. Or yeah. You know, if you want to co- talk cognitive dissonance and shit, everything that they were accusing uh, Hillary Clinton over during the like lock her up shit, he's done the same thing way worse. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, yo, she sent an email through a private email server. This motherfucker is like using all of his private shit to do stuff, funneling tax money into his own businesses, using personal phone calls to talk to other world leaders and like muscle them into making back, uh, back room, back table deals and shit. Like it's so much worse. And yet all week I would see people on the news being like, is it that bad? And I'm like, yes, yeah. you, you literally there was a woman running for president three years ago and you said that she should have been in prison for something way less than this yeah i don't think she should have gone to prison that's ridiculous yeah but they wanted to lock her up for using her personal email it's like trump is like stealing money like what are you doing tweeting national secrets (laughs) yeah there's literally my phone has been blowing up all day because i have news alerts because you know cults and Mm -hmm. uh I've been just all day long, it pops up on my phone where at one point the news alert just said, attorney Barr says, Trump's Twitter makes it impossible for me to do my job. Oh my God. <laughs> I was just like, ain't that the truth? Um, but and not to make this a crazy political episode, I'm just yeah. saying that I think especially now in election season, I feel like there's this prevailing belief that the other side is so different from you and that they're bad people and they're stupid and they're this or that and you have to kind of also look at yourself and look at the things that maybe you have cognitive dissonance about and all of us do and we should really examine stuff like obviously there are things that are fucking terrible Mm 
Yeah. You know, racism is terrible. Locking children in cages is terrible. All of those things are terrible. Don't move your positions just out of empathy or because you think a rich guy is going to give you shit. Really question what you think is right or wrong and be willing to change your beliefs if that is what has to happen. Be the flat earther that sees the evidence and goes, ah, shit, I was wrong. Yeah. Or even further, don't be, especially when pertaining to politics, don't be afraid to have ideas that are outside of your party. Just because something comes from one side doesn't mean it's going to be good. The best way I can ever describe it is um, I tried a uh, Buffalo Ranch Bacon melt from subway because i was like subway's never done me dirty in the past Are, okay. and it turns out sometimes even subway has bad ideas subway always has bad ideas i was with you every flavor you listed i was like yeah mm-hmm. yeah tell me more and then you said subway and i was like i'm out right yeah that's what i mean it's like just because i'm registered to vote for subway always <laughs> uh what happened to your love for jimmy john's <laughs> i fucking love jimmy john's <laughs> but they don't toast subs which again that's Quiz- the thing quiznos I'm, Quiznos, I like Quiznos. Quiznos is the mm-hmm. moderate we need. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know. And yeah. Don't be afraid to be a Quiznos. Just don't be afraid to like look into shit, see where what you think is right, and uh, look for evidence. Yeah. And honestly, I, I mean, to end this little political portion, I will say though that with everything Trump has done, at least, at least, I fucking thank God that he never wore a tan suit. Am I right? <laughs> What kind of a piece of shit president would ever wear a tan suit? Can That's you, the worst thing that this country. W- that made the news I know. when it happened. That made the news. Obama wore a tan suit and... Uh, it was all over the news for a fucking week. Everyone was talking about how unprofessional what? it was. Yeah, what? Yeah, they're they saying called him unprofessional. Un- unprofessional. <laughs> and yet, the man who currently sits in that office paid a sex worker out of campaign funds. Yeah. To commit and hide an affair from his wife. I will remind you that the last president who was impeached while in office got a blowjob from an intern. Who was technically willing. Yes. Although I would argue that his position of power made consent difficult. Mm -hmm. For sure. But he lied to Congress about it and that's why he was impeached. Meanwhile, homeboy... Not a scratch. Barely made the news. Dude commits literal treason. No one bats an eye. I'm. J- it's been a rough I week know. for me, guys. Obama comes out tan suit, looking fine as fuck. I mean, just a fucking well, the snack thing is, of a president. Is like no other president can look good in a tan suit because it makes their skin look all mm-hmm. sallow mm-hmm. and this sad. Is true. Have you not seen? I want you to. Okay, I he want. He looked good in that suit. Damn. See, that's the thing. Is like white. People can't wear suits and look I that know, good. That looks great. Like yeah. you can't. You're if you're white, you can't wear that color. It's just too much paleness. Yeah, but they yeah they called him unprofessional. Wait till they see his purple suit. <laughs> Ooh yes, he would look good. Now, remember when I said that the cult disbanded mostly. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, he publishes his book in the nineteen early nineteen sixties, and Dorothy. She got to find something else to do. Now, he did keep her anonymous within the book. So nobody knew it was her until much, much later when he talked about it. Is her new thing knitting space blankets? No, but that'd be great. Damn it. Okay. Yeah. I'm also really surprised that when Dorothy predicted an apocalypse, it wasn't a tornado related apocalypse. (laughs) So in 1965, 
Dorothy founds the Association of Sananda and Sanat Kumara, claiming that these were the names of aliens, well, or that Sananda is the name of an alien that has also been known as Jesus Christ, and that Sanat Kumara was the entity that spoke to her, and that she would now be going by Sister Thedra. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So right after the group disbanded, she decided she had to get the shit out of town. <laughs> so she moved to Peru. Damn. Mm-hmm. What, she, what's with her family? Where is her family? I think most people just didn't want to be around her, but I have no other records on what happened to her husband. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you don't know if they got divorced or anything? No clue. Nobody really says. If they did... Uh, then that alien would have been a there's no place like home wrecker. Jeez. Hey. <laughs> hey oh. So she moved to Peru. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh because the automatic writing told her to. Sure. Yeah. Mhm. Um she also claimed, well, she said that she spent time during her trip to Peru uh, at a, with a group called the Brotherhood of the Seven Rays, which was a community established by a fellow channeler or contactee as they go by, uh, George Hunt Williamson. And she said that she had intense growth before returning to the United States to then send out transcripts and mimeographs of everything that had been told to her in the interim. Uh, She also claims that she was instantly cured of cancer during this time. Oh, so that was the immense immense growth. It was a tumor. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. In 1961... She returned to the United States and settled in Arizona, where she established the uh, Association of Sananda and Sanat Kumara in 1965. Hell of a transition. Peru to Arizona. (laughs) Peru to Arizona. She then relocated temporarily to Mount Shasta, California. Weird. And then they came back to Arizona. Um, But it's basically just a far-flung network of... It's kind of like the New Age mailing networks that she was working with previously, um, but they all believe in the teachings of those who spoke through Sister Thedra. And she has now since died of being 92. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Story mm-hmm. checks out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the page that now kind of keeps records of all of her messages says that no new channel has arisen to take her place and receive messages <gasps> from these beings. What about the Disney Channel? <laughs> but also, part of me is just like, this is some serious cognitive dissonance at work because you met this person, you know that they died. Mm-hmm. And you know that they were claiming that these voices were coming from some being, but then that being doesn't talk to anybody else. And also, none of her shit came true. Right. So, none of her shit came true. The beings aren't talking to anybody else. Could it be fake? No, of course not. Clearly. Wait. Whoa. Give me a pen. No, Give me God. a piece of paper. He's gonna draw a dick. Oh, hold on. Okay. There we Almost done. You gotta put hair and on the balls. Bam. Titties. <laughs> <laughs> so... Dorothy died of being 92. Mm-hmm. And at that point, staressence.org was born, okay. where uh, a woman named Ex- Alexandria Starr compiled a lot of her writings and claims to be a contactee herself 
But more specifically, she believes that the Matrix is real. Sure. Okay, wait. Okay. That we're in the Matrix? Yes, but not just like as a general concept, but as depicted in the films, The Matrix. So she thinks that if robots wanted to harvest human organs. She thinks they're Luciferian robots. And create a world where that was possible, that they would also record that entire story and put it in a film for us to watch in this projected world. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine that she believes that those movies are the truth. I just know that she had multiple essays on The Matrix that I read and was just like, what? But that's how we got one of the most noted social psychology theories yeah that's really that's crazy interesting i'm sorry we got mad political with it but i just feel like that's the most applicable version of this yeah i was way more interested to talk about the matrix honestly we could do that i hate politics but you know what i do love the wachowski sisters robots using people as batteries which is the plot of that movie (laughs) which does not make sense no it does not potatoes honestly potatoes much more better at energy than humans I'm could probably ever be starchier than a, i'm probably starchier than a potato <laughs> so much easier to control too yeah a potato or me a potato okay i was gonna say if you put cheese out in the right places <laughs> for sure if you put cheese on the right place of a potato too even I, better i was at work today and my work has free cheese both string cheese and cube cheese oh okay and they also always have grapes and apples and i was like how have i not made myself a cheese plate at work yeah what? why i would do that every day i would never bring breakfast i mean they also have breakfast stuff there but what yeah i want to work where you work do you want to we don't even have vending machines what we yeah we have we have free food a lot a lot of free food well, thank you for bringing this to us. Uh, super interesting. I'm uh, <laughs> as a uh, you know as a uh, as growing up the way I did. I know how it feels to have a Christmas where you think someone important's going to show up and they don't. It's real sad. I had no idea your dad wow. was an alien. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we call him undocumented citizen. But no, <laughs> that's a mean joke. My dad is a citizen of this country. Please don't arrest him yeah no this is a this is really interesting i didn't i didn't know that that's where the term cognitive dissonance came from yeah from a guy who went undercover in a cult undercover i love a good undercover that's probably my favorite part Mm -hmm. oh yeah don't get them often enough well you know that they didn't even like he likes probably spent like a week like planning coming up with a backstory learning all that he could and he gets there and he goes hey we'd like to join and they're like all right yeah yep it's fine. It's fine. Ahead. No sure. betting. Yeah, no, none at all. Mm-mm. Um, so if you like this episode and the other episodes that we make, uh, they are brought to you by a series of sponsors. First of which includes uh, Mondo's Mimograms for just a hundred dollars per gesture. I will. F- and travel expenses i will travel anywhere in the country and deliver a message that you write in uh charades uh i would like to order a mimogram please Mm -hmm. um but you need to wear like you know how mimes wear makeup Mm -hmm. juggalo version oh yes Mm -hmm. how has there not been a juggalo mime yet holy shit no there is it's violent J. During the parts when he's not singing. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, isn't that just 
Is it's, there such it's thing just as a quiet juggalo? Whatever the other member of ICP is doing when the other mm-hmm. one is rapping, quotation marks. I'm Violent J, and I'm back like Invertebrae. I that will say that. Armando's mimogram service, much better than his mammogram service. Oh, he yeah. He's not a doctor. <laughs> Weirdly enough, they're under this same LLC. <laughs> uh f- fun fact i was talking to my dad about the podcast on the phone the other day and he was like whatever happened to that one guy the guy who would just squeeze boobs and try to say it was science oh serge ben gayen <laughs> yeah serge ben hayen yeah serge ben hayen yeah i forgot about him i'll never forget him because for that episode i just got an image of serge cola and then photoshop buff ass arms onto it <laughs> it was so good he's got that creepy lazy eye that's pretty great yeah but uh for seriousness we don't do mimograms but i honestly will if you're willing to pay me i will travel to do it um but we are sponsored by our lovely wonderful patreon donors we have a patreon with uh i believe an episode just dropped or it will drop this week but we're doing the speculation zone uh for just five dollars a month you get access to it as is our bonus show where we cover uh ton of cult adjacent topics right now we're in the middle of a series on Revelation and the Antichrist. Yeah. It's intense and also fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, I believe the second episode that we've recorded for it is probably one of my favorite recorded episodes, period. Like, show, speculation zone, ever. It was just so much fun. I'm just, it's a good time. I like. I really kind of want you to read the Bible mm-hmm. and then just come back and be like, wait, so this happened? Yeah. I would love a weekly Armando reads the Bible and then just... <laughs> He's like, wait, so hold on. There's how many horses on fire? Like, you just. <laughs> if you want to, I will gladly read it front to down Interesting. with you if you want. Front to down like a Star Wars store. Front to down like a Star Wars store. Uh, I that's... did it in high school and once is good for me. <laughs> yeah, most people don't do it more than once. Uh, I've never done it in order, though. If this is something that interests you, we will do it. But if it's not, if it's not interesting, please tell me because I don't want to read the Bible if I don't have to. You, I feel like you are underestimating the amount of bloodshed and fucking that happens in the oh, Bible. Oh, there's some a lot. cool shit. The Book of Ruth. Yeah. Call me. Ruth is amazing. It's dope as fuck. Ruth is great. All right, Ruth I might check it out. I'm still waiting for the movie, but there's some murder. There's all sorts of cool shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, anyway, I think it would be funny to to have to see your reaction to some of the stuff that I know is in there. That would be kind of dope. If that's something that interests you, please let us know. Um, like I said, it would be a segment on the Speculation Zone, uh, which is a show that you get access to. The other thing you get for just $5 a month is a shout-out on the show. And so this week, our episode is brought to you in part by Kayla. I'm not creative enough to think of a fake name no last name (laughs) Mm -hmm. it definitely sounds like a secret agent who got most of their shit redacted (laughs) (laughs) i'm just picturing a passport that's all blacked out except for just the picture and then kayla (laughs) that is so we were watching the the hbo documentary thing mcmillions on uh oh the mcdonald's uh monopoly game oh my god it's so good it's very good but the relevant part is that they do and they do talk about the fact that 
every time the FBI has an investigation, they have to code name it something. So they do have a scene where they describe the room where all of them are just pitching out <laughs> names. And they're like, yeah, we had shit like Don't Pass Go, uh, Operation Stale Fry. We didn't even send that one upstairs. <laughs> And yeah, so, they're, and they're bits. They're like they're bits. inside joke yeah. bits I about justice. I love Operation Names. It's, yeah. it's the best thing. And Stale Fry should have been Bagler. It should have been Operation Bagler. They did. They did have one about the Hamburglar, and they were really proud of that one. Um, and so, yeah. So I feel like uh, I feel like Kayla doesn't even have enough uh, imagination to come up with <laughs> Operation Stale Fry. You know what? That's what you get for this. This one goes out to Kayla Stale Fry. Kayla Stale Fry. Sometimes the stale fries are the best fries. I like my fries a little chewy. Exactly. And uh, regardless of your creativity skills, we love you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So this next one is sponsored by the Wee Baby Turtle Clan. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I'm like half groundskeeper willing. It just says in a Scottish accent. Wee baby turtle clan. It's that's, the wee baby good, turtle clan. That's a wee. That's you're Jamaican. 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 Like yeah. Jamaican. Jamaican. I don't. What? Oh, wee no. baby turtle clan. That's Irish. Wee baby turtle clan. Yeah, that's Irish. The wee baby turtle I feel turtle like clan. Scottish is just angrier Irish. Am I wrong? No, it's slightly different. Wee, wee baby turtle clan. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's in turtles. For, for Spanish, for like a Hispanic or a Latino accent, you really want to learn how to roll the R's. But for yeah. a Scottish accent, you're like rolling W's. It's yeah. really weird. Wee baby turtle clan. The shinning. <laughs> Yeah, that <laughs> I don't. I, when we were picking out who was going to read this name, I went, "All right, which one of us has the best Scottish accent?" And we were like, "None of none us." Of us. Yeah. And Paige answered verbatim, "I guess." <laughs> <laughs> My only Scottish touchstone for Scottish accents is Craig Ferguson, which is not a good one because he's been in America for so long. He's and- Craig Craig Ferguson. Craig Ferguson and uh, Groundskeeper Willie, which is and not and a real Willie. Scottish person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This episode was also brought to you by, technically, it's Dr. Cheryl, but you can call me whatever you want as long as you're my digna daddy. Winky face. Hide the forks. <laughs> <laughs> Aw, <laughs> spoons only. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Spoon. a tender end. Hey, girl, you trying to fork tonight? Damn, you looking like an eyeball. <laughs> I don't like you it. You looking like an eyeball. You looking like an eyeball. That's not very knife. <laughs> That's not very knife. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, you've got me in patches. Eye patches. <laughs> oh, we do. I love our eye patches. They're my favorite. Um, Yeah. For more information about the other tiers that we have on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast. You can also go to www.cultpodcastshow.com and go to the Patreon button that is at the bottom of the page or the tab at the top of the page. Uh, and uh, hmm, I'm going to say if you want to... If you want to send me a video of a mimogram and you can't, you can't, here's the thing. Oh my you, God, you, I want this. You cannot tell us what the phrase is. 
But if we guess the phrase, you have to tell us if we're right. Okay. Yeah. That I like is, this rule. This is going to be fun. Bo- yeah. I want this so if it's bad. It's a juggalo mimogram. Yes, Extra bonus please. points if you do any form of makeup. If you do juggalo makeup, we will post it on our social media <laughs> with 100%. your permission. Obviously. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you can send that to. Uh, at Mondo Does Stuff on Twitter and Instagram, or you can go to MondoDoesStuff.com for my show dates. Um, let's see, this is coming out on Monday. So tonight I'm in San Diego uh, doing a show that I will post on my Instagram, the name of which I have forgotten. Um, on Wednesday, I'm apparently doing a show called Race Traders, which is I'm very concerned about in the Orange County, which makes it even more concerning now that I say it out loud. Did they Should find I out be concerned? Yeah, I was going to say, did they find out that we pretended to join the KKK that one time for a bit? I, maybe. I'm also dating a white woman, so that doesn't fare well for me. We should have sent them pictures of dicks. <laughs> we still can. I have the email. Do it. Um, on Thursday, I'll be at the Hollywood Improv for uh, Glazed, which is a really awesome show. If you haven't been before, it's like a block party comedy show. It's fucking insane. It's my favorite show. It's honestly my favorite show in Los Angeles. But if you want to go buy tickets ahead of time, they usually sell out. They already are very close, I believe. Um, and then on Sunday, I forget where I'm at, which I know is not helpful, but I don't have the information. I'm basically running uh time so that i can see uh, uh, so that i can uh do this thing that if it works out it'll be good so you'll get to watch me do a set that i've been practicing for several several years thank you good. i love you good night and good luck okay i love you as well also the listeners uh hey guys andrea here if you want to send me your favorite cognitive dissonance that you believe. I really want to hear it. Mine is, uh, I have incredibly high cholesterol, but I still eat bacon almost daily. Oh, so, no. <laughs> uh, so go ahead and uh, tell me what you're lying to yourself about. I want to hear it. I'm curious. Uh, send that to me on uh, at Sundress Comic on Twitter or send it to me at Andrea Gazetta on Instagram. Mine is... I will always look at the clock and think I have X amount of time to get somewhere. That should be plenty of time. Uh, but then I also know that I am a constantly late person. Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't trust myself with that. Uh, and yeah, so that's that's my cognitive dissonance battle daily. Hmm. I feel you. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, I want to see everyone's examples of automatic writing. Oh yeah, we about to get a lot of lightsaber dicks, baby! Hell yeah, yeah, dude! Yeah, yeah. show me all of your automatic writing. Show me your messages. Show me your dick doodles. Um, Whatever you got, you can send them to at Page Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. I will be in Flappers Burbank on March fifteenth. I will be in Santa Cruz on March twenty first. Featuring for Crystal Adams, super hilarious, and that is at the DNA Comedy Club. Hell yeah, dude! Mm-hmm. It's uh, BYOLB. It's uh, bring your own longboard. <laughs> what? <laughs> because it's Santa Cruz. Because it's Santa Cruz. No, for real though. If you show up in an US costume, extra points. <laughs> Damn, okay. that'd be okay. fucking just a sea insane. of red jumpsuits. 
Um, yeah, I will say that you did use the phrase dick doodles, which does sound like the slang for a new STD. Um, I'm sorry, sir. You've got the dick doodles. Hi, uh, Becky. I'm so sorry to be leaving this on your voicemail, but (laughs) I just found out that I have dick doodles and so you should probably get tested. (laughs) It either sounds like a new slang term for STD or it sounds like a new flavor for instant ramen. Ooh. Dick doodles, instant noodles. Mm. Anyway, uh, if you like our show and you want to buy dick doodles, I got a bunch of them. What, um, what if Dick is the first name and Doodles is the last name? Like, oh. Dick Doodles here, reporting <laughs> on the way. <laughs> I'm on the street and it seems like there has been a vehicular homicide. Dick Doodles with the traffic. Dick Doodles private eye and my eyes are always pink (laughs) dick doodles private eye my eyes are up here (laughs) dick doodles private one-eyed snake anyway oh no i've made it gross if you like our show you can follow us on instagram at cult podcast or on twitter at cult podcast show you can also send us an email to cult podcast show at gmail.com or you can send us literal dick doodles Mm -hmm. at 3756 west avenue 40 sweet k number 237 like the shining los angeles california 90065 if your penis can hold a crayon and create a masterpiece i want to see it not your penis probably have that checked out if you're if you can automatic write with your penis (laughs) if you have a prehensile (laughs) penis get that checked out. I think that's what raccoons have. No, I think that can't be right. <laughs> that's not science. Did you ever see that video of that raccoon that washed its prehensile penis and then it disappears? Then it has a crisis. No, okay. This. Um, but yeah, get that checked out. Uh, and literally for this episode, don't drink the Kool Aid hmm. because cognitive dissonance. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.